everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. I'm Alex, he, uh, joined by Megan here in Los Angeles, where Nancy Silverton power walks. Hi, Megan. Hi. <laughs> we saw Nancy Silverton again yesterday, you guys. What? It was real. Did you look at what she was wearing this time? <laughs> Just a, he did. <laughs> did. Really? She, she was wearing exercise clothes. I what regret is, to oh, inform that's you. Not, it was no nothing. one calls them that. <laughs> Okay. Extra size clothes, like like exercise. Oh, exercise? oh! I thought you said extra size. I, I, like, I think heard you too. mean oversized, <laughs> and also that's not specific enough. She was exercising. She was wearing like black sweats, um, and she didn't. I did not see any be- berets or barrettes. Uh, she was wearing a, a thing. Berettas. She's wearing a ber- she's carrying a beretta. That was what it was. Um, Tradition beretta. She had a um, handkerchief type, right? Anyway, Megan is so mad that I brought this up. Anyway, I'm not mad. but you can I, verify I I, that we saw her. Yes. Yeah, but I thought I saw her barrette, so oh. I'm confused. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, mm. um, did you ask her why she was left off of this episode? As far as a chef who made an yeah. inspirational dish, she, well, she, she mad at Michael in Michael's. Oh, right. They mentioned her little cashier booth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that she, she was a bad cashier. She wasn't even there to defend her own cashiering from the past. <laughs> yeah. So six of you get dishes to recreate and one of you has to be the cashier, but in a new inventive way. Oh, so they have to invent Square, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cal- <laughs> California financing. Um, I mean, she seems busy, so. She did seem busy. She, yeah. 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 And she'd already done a full episode with them. So maybe mm-hmm. she was like, you get yes. one top chef. Mm-hmm. She's like, obviously the sun shines too bright amongst all these stars. <laughs> all right, I have to go. All right, so joining us today uh, with celebrity sightings or not in Northern California, it's Ezra and Sarah. Hey Hello. We have pastries. Oh, that's oh, oh, that's nice. Mm, this is a morning bun. That was a quiche Lorraine. This is pound chocolate. This is a French butter croissant. And are you wow. doing two of each what a or wonderful spread. Them, uh, yeah, how are you dividing them? We got one of each and we, we split. split everything four ways. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's good. Everyone gets everyone gets It's always a tricky platter. with a croissant. Yeah, so they good. squish more than four. I've somehow gotten good flake, at, at slicing yeah. a croissant. Yeah, we've definitely it's you know, it's you, beginning beginning of quarantine we weren't, but now we are. <laughs> is it like do you project. like go like grid or is it like an X or like what's so, the what's so the quartering the, strategy? You go with the grain <laughs> right, in course. half and then mm-hmm. you quarter it so just like a just like a, a, uh, a plus sign. Yeah, and I yeah. think it matters that these like this pastry is like it's it skews to the crispy side of the croissant, not a squishy kind of croissant. And so That's it actually important. does have a little yes. bit of um it can hold up a bit to it. Nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Man, uh this is great radio. Uh, maybe I'm just hungry. I want to ask you so many more questions. All right. Also joining us in Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. What are you guys up to? Hey, hey. So, do you have coffee or pastries? No, no. we already did that. No, we passed that day. long ago. I'm sorry. For you're on we the we are in the future. Yeah, you're in, you're in lunches times. It's yeah. crazy. Now did I the astronauts make it to the space station? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're doing great, and I love you for asking. Yes, <laughs> thank you. I woke up early to watch them dock this morning. Ooh, because we are we live in the past, so you have to get up earlier for it. Yep. Uh, um, also joining us in uh, in Los Angeles in Burbank, it's the new Sarah and Kyle. Hello. How's your? <laughs> we have no going? connection to space. Nothing to space. No, you, you have breakfast. You guys just made coffee, so you're like. 
Yes. We haven't even had any coffee in us yet. It's not going to be a funny day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Don't even joke See with me until I've had my coffee. Yes, oh, no boy. humor of any kind. See, I couldn't even come up with a good comeback there. Ugh, we're going to rally, Stop reading guys. my mugs. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I hope you are all in as um, uh, laid back and fun of a mood because we have a uh, our final episode before the multi-part finale begins, our last domestic episode of Top Chef for season 17 before the chefs depart via American Airlines to uh, to Europe, uh, to Tuscany specifically. But first, two very fancy first class seats have been ripped out of an American <laughs> Airlines flight and dropped... And or a movie prop warehouse. Yeah, and dropped into, a, into the Top Chef kitchen where the chefs for their quick fire have to create an appetizer and a main course for Champagne and Padma and Chef Kenobi, who are sitting in those airline seats when you can the most laid back quick fire panel ever. I was really concerned that something had happened to Waxman and his mobility was challenged, and that was why they were seated at first. I was like, is Waxman having issues with his legs? Like, what's going on? It's like, no, that's just a business class seat. He's just so chill, yeah. Uh, They were so reclined, and then Padma was chill, but also constantly getting up and moving around and coming back. Um, really Padma made ice. me laugh so much. Every time they cut back to her, she was like, "What's your favorite nut?" Like, <laughs> this, is this is the spinoff, right, guys? Yeah. Like we, we all can agree, top nut. This is yeah. Travel Padma is Travel uh, Padma a, with, a yeah. totally different vibe. Doesn't she have a new? She's like a new Hulu show, I believe. She um, does have a new show. I can't remember which. And I think it is a travel related streaming show. service it's on, but it is about it's a it's a food travel situation oh very cool it's called taste the nation and it's on hulu and it's padma doing a travel food show and presumably asking people of uh from a variety of uh locations what their favorite nut is hey hey, panel what's your favorite nut (laughs) i gotta go with the cashew yeah oh not not only did megan get in early on it and monopolize it in this conversation she does that in real life too what oh (laughs) I mean, like, listen, she's wow. got a, a quick first step, and yeah, the cashews are hers. Yeah. yeah. But, Megan, have you ever had the cashew fruit? No. No. Who would? Why? What? No, it's like, because so like, the, if you look at a cashew, it's weird uh-huh. as heck. But uh, basically, it's like you got the little cashew growing down from essentially like like a, a, a fruity pear type thing, and that you oh. can eat also if you, if you had it fresh. Is oh, it awesome. good? Or is it like you could technically eat it? No, it's fine. Like, I don't know, it's like, if it was an abundant, you'd be like, yeah, this is cool. I don't know if it's anyone's favorite, like, dish in and of its own, but it's more like, I don't know, Steve, I can think of, like, a, a, a fruit level that it would be. I don't remember what that tastes like. Uh, yeah. According no, I'm, to I'm just... a brief Google, the uh, fruit of the cashew tree is a boxing glove-shaped droop. So there you go. <laughs> I think I it's such a, it's such a sick me. burn. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, you are a boxing glove-shaped droop, man. <laughs> a new life goal. Actually, they look kind of like mushrooms because, like, the cashew comes down from this apple-looking thing. This is pretty cool. This is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, new life goals and uh, the ongoing game of Ezra. Have you tasted that? Uh, he wins again. <laughs> um, it wasn't good though. So, like, it's like it's not like it's it's not like a it wasn't like a notch in the belt that I was excited about. Well, yeah. It's, how it's, many new food new like food items on Earth are we like? Oh, finally, we tasted that. It's so good. Usually it's like, we tried all the good stuff. Let's eat the weird apples. 
Well, and importantly, Ezra Recommends is a separate show. That's yes. a spinoff. Yeah, Ezra, have you tasted that as its own Coming standalone up on Hulu. situation? <laughs> what is Ezra eating also? Remember the original? On, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Which no, is that, was, being... that was the one that began it all. Only the true heads know. Yeah, yeah you got to go. Man, you got to go way. There are people who have listened to every episode of Read and Weep and Pack Your Mics twice, and they are not familiar with what is Ezra eating. You have to be an OG fan of Ezra. <laughs> Or wow. in the state penitentiary, I think, in, in Walla Walla, uh, <laughs> in, in like the mid two thousands. You have to be a cab driver without much going on in Walla Walla on the night shift. Uh, Woof. Yeah. Uh, humble nice. beginnings. Humble anyway, beginnings. Um, anyone else want to say a favorite nut, or are we just going to leave it with cashews and then the <laughs> apple is bad? Pistachio. Yeah, I was going to second pistachios. What? Whoa. Pistachios are are very good. I agree. I like them. I like it's it's a good amount of work. Because if like a cashew is too easy, so that you just eat too many of them too fast, cashew, yeah. like but a pistachio paces you. It's the idea. pistachios yeah. are like the the cats of nuts. Oh. <laughs> You're quiet, and they come to you. The cats yeah. of nuts for sure. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the uh, the underrated, undervalued peanut. Maybe mm-hmm. not even actually a nut, mm-hmm. but delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I mean, peanut butter alone, mm-hmm. guys. I raise you peanut butter. Yeah, you, you got nothing. Solid. I mean, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good point. Um, I mean, somebody's gonna say almond butter, but you know, it's no not one, better. Actually, no one is gonna say. I'm not gonna butter. say almond butter. <laughs> they, can't, they can't tell. It's, it's not coming out of my mouth. So, Especially yeah, right, not the crunchy like, kind, because it's just like eating gravel in oil. Like, why would you do that to Wait, yourself? Wait, do you not like oily gravel now? Uh, you know, I've turned on oily gravel. Wow. You know, the oily gravel lobby will have something to say. You don't really yeah. remember that fascinating episode of season two of has, Have You Tasted That? Where Ezra eats oily gravel. <laughs> Does not recommend. I mean, the season where I was sponsored by oily gravel was rocky, to say the least. I didn't <laughs> love that. Hey. All right. Well, there's more good nuts to, to get into, but this is just a... Uh, a side dish to our main uh, course, which is, of course, the airline food. Um, it is so fun to see Jonathan Waxman back, by the way. I want to share with you guys a quick JW fact from a father of the show, my dad, who texted me to say that Chef Kenobi went to the University of Nevada, Reno, where both of my parents went and met. Ooh. And he played, in college, he played a trombone in a casino band. What? I mean, casinos have bands? Oh yeah! Cause oh yeah! Reno is actually used to be a really, really great music town because every casino had a band that played for the live stage shows for the um, girls with feather oh, hats. Wait, or that the makes elephants. way that makes way more sense than it's on, on the stage show. I was just expecting like in the lobby, there's sort of like a, a greeting band of of, like of a promoters, doot, 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 doot kind of band. Yeah, they're around. Yeah. Just, they just did follow you around acts for sure, but yeah, they had showroom bands, and so there was just all these incredible. So like the Reno Symphony is like way better than you'd think for a symphony of that size because there were all these casino band guys uh, who wanted to like have a, a fulfilling artistic side project. I mean, yeah, this they makes- wanted to play Stravinsky. Yeah, also. Yeah, so that's fun, Jonathan Waxman fact. Um, uh, let's see. So. Oh yeah, the other thing, just to finish out this challenge, um, is that you have to, it has to fit in a commercial flight tray. You can't be taller than the tray, or if it is taller, it must be squishable. That's a key. Yep, That's they got to mush it rule. down. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> secret rule that Malarkey was not pleased with. How about that eye roll? That has to be like one of the record Malarkey angry faces was when they squished Kevin's meatball down to size for him. Well, spoiler alert, he was having, he was going on a journey of the interior this time. <laughs> this is That's definitely Malarkey's, yeah, Dark Knight of the Soul right here. Dark I was going to call it his fantastic voyage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, okay, a little spoiler also then, 
like Brian's voyage of self-discovery made me respect him more. Mm-hmm. I oh, like Malarkey but- more going out of this episode than I did coming into it. I, I still, even though we were literally just talking about him, when you said Brian, Brian I immediately Volt. think Voltaggio, and I oh, get right. so confused. Sorry. Yeah, well, I was like, "What did what did Robo Brian discover about himself? <laughs> What's the weather in Voltaggio, Brian?" <laughs> That's so good. I really like that. Uh, one of the things he discovered is that he still can't win a quick fire to save his life. <laughs> nope. Although he did fine. Uh, he, um, he, he did. He, he made some he, green goddess dressing, which Padma derisively referred to as very seventies, which does hurt during a walkthrough. Like <laughs> I mean, champagne Padma is one thing, but that is a rough walkthrough critique. Well, I mean, he also he also combined tomatoes and burrata in a move that surprised literally no one. I just I don't know yeah. that it all it was all fine, but like yeah, big sigh. Well, Megan uh, suggested she was expecting. That instead of an airplane dish, he's actually going to create really good boat food and be disqualified. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, poor guy. What um, is boat food? Like, I mean, I, 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 just, just hypothetically. The only thing I know I could think of is that I. Not soup. Yeah, not soup. Not, <laughs> not hot soup. No. Yeah. Chips um, and. Dips? Remember on yeah. the. There was a boat. A houseboat party challenge where they had. Oh, that's right. It's ham prepared in a hot tub by somebody who might pass out soon. Oh, God. It's hot tub by ham. The it's human. classic uh, boat food. How did you forget that, Ezra? You got to slice it real thin. Ezra, Ezra hasn't the done an episode about peak. that yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, on, on my show, we haven't hot gotten tub to ham, hot tub ham, episode six. Um, if you slice it thin enough, you can't taste the chlorine. <laughs> Oh man! Um, on the top for the quick fire, uh, Kevin's squished meatball and <laughs> Melissa for a a beef curry and a chilled tofu salad uh, that looked like just a block of tofu. And she must have done something to it, you know. She, she did some. She must have ruled at that because because even Pat was like, "What did what you did you mean to do tofu?" <laughs> Yeah, and, and Melissa's answer is just like, look, it doesn't get worse, and it's flat, so. <laughs> it's so flat. That's such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and like with two minutes left, she's like, oh, I got to make the appetizer. <laughs> and then it's like yeah, it a brick of tofu with some like that was stuff. So good. But oh, yeah, apparently it was she's great. unreal good. She's so <laughs> crazy talented. Um, this also, we also had when uh, in the bottom uh, <laughs> with Volt, uh, with Volt, or in the other categories, not in the bottom, was uh, with Volt was uh, Gregory, who made. Uh, um, wait, wasn't it? No, was it Volt? Was this the really, really chewy lentils? Was that on this one? Oh yeah, yeah. Volt. Volt was like, was Volt. like, yeah. He wanted to cook it a little more, but didn't. yes, and that was, oh yeah, that was what I want everyone to do instead of lie when the judges are like, "Did you mean to cook this wrong?" Instead of being like, "Yeah, in my household, we always eat this wrong." He was like, <laughs> "No, I was hoping yeah, it'd be better." <laughs> I I discovered that two minutes into plating, yeah. and uh, yeah, nope. What am I gonna What am I gonna do at that point? So yeah, that's how I feel like that's how you're supposed to answer. I I really yeah. re- like I like Vault a lot, and I respected a lot that he said that. And I like the idea that like if you build up enough credibility, sort of like if you're playing like Mafia for many rounds, if you always are telling the truth, if at some point you need to lie, they might still give it to you. Oh yeah, yeah, we believe you. You've you've uh, told the truth against your best interest five right. times in a row. So this yeah, was yeah. him establishing a pattern of honesty so he can lie in the finals. Yeah. yeah. That's or smart. just he's not programmed to lie. <laughs> so. He doesn't have that. 
man. Um, what do you guys think of, of Stephanie Seymour's thing? Because the fish and papillote, you know, like I thought that, uh, you know, a little packet that people could open wouldn't be that bad. But Champagne Padma had some trubs. Yeah. So you imagine well, and someone's then she drunk, was like, they can't move their elbows and you're giving them a burned envelope. Okay, yeah, I don't think like, she was drunk. It's like a, it's like a meat, it's like a meat pistachio. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I also was a little food. troubled that Padma was like, "What will the stewardesses do?" And I was like, "Um, I'm pretty sure that nobody is opening your meat envelope for you." <laughs> is that a I don't know about what kind of first like, class work? Yeah, you know, yeah, first the few class times, they do in coach, well, you have to open your own meat envelope, but in first yeah, they, class. They, did have real dishes because I was like, man, the few times I've gotten food on an airplane, it is like a little tray that is covered in like plastic, basically. Yeah. And you have yeah. to open it yourself for like food safety purposes. So I'm like, Padma, we're living in different planes of existence, which yeah, doesn't sure. surprise me. I no, did long I mean, assume that. Of existence. Good catch, Megan. Yeah, I know. Lives, yeah, but... great, uh, great pun, Sarah. Um. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know. I still but... haven't had coffee. <laughs> planes on the brain. <laughs> Yeah. The, but for sure, I've never thought that I lived in the same plane of existence as Padma, so I'm fine rediscovering that. Um, yeah, I thought it was a little unfair. It's a good criticism to be like, this is kind of hard to open, but I don't think it was that hard to open. And they have yeah. a lot of elbow room in those seats. And maybe before you go into mass manufacturing, you like open the envelope a little bit, or you like make it a less burny. Like, I feel like you, you could know, solve you, that you problem. You perf the poppy out or whatever. You perf the poppy <laughs> that pop. before you start. You got it. But once you perf... You can't stop. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the fun don't smurf. <laughs> Bet you can't perf just one. What, uh, what did you guys think of uh, Gregory, though, doing broccolini on an airplane food challenge? The ultimate curse. What, why is broccolini a curse? Broccolini you is delicious. No, yeah, Sarah called big it out. Siege, oh, yeah, Big right. CJ went home for cooking the worst dish Tom has ever eaten, which was broccolini on an airplane. But, but that, that was like... Really about that. Actually, like, use the little... Airplane. That's true. They had to cook in the galley. Yeah. 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 I wonder if that was like unconsciously on Greg's mind as he made it, because that's just too random, right? Because it's not like you normally get broccolini on an airplane. Well, because it's flat, right? Like so. It's, it's flat. Oh, it's available year round. Broccolini yeah. is tall. Broccolini squished. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he was really smart to do sort of a an Indian, like South Asian sort of flavor thing. I think those things travel really, really well. And, and they benefit from having sat for a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. That and every time I fly, you know, where where you get a choice on a meal, um, the really good vegetarian meals are always the Indian ones. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think it's like of of the cursed dishes in the history of the show that is like up there in my bur- seared into my brain so I'm a little surprised but he mm. made it he made it to the middle so you can make it better although um, Malarkey did try since we're talking about specialty food Malarkey did say that he would serve it with a steak knife so even in past yeah, right? existence you don't get a steak knife on a plane up no, maybe on Malarkey Air. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought it was cute. His, his salesmanship for dishes is so unnecessary and frequently annoying, but that was pretty cute. <laughs> it was a sol- solid response uh, for his airline thing. Um, He's a playful man. Yeah. All right. So moving along to the elimination challenge, the seats land, um, but trombonist uh, Chef Kenobi gets to stick around because we're going back to where he started. Uh, they are, the challenge is for the chefs to reimagine a classic dish designed one of the by one of the historic executive chefs 
at the at restaurant Michael's Santa Monica, which is uh, well known. It seems to be the one of the most important California restaurants. It's the d- d- restaurant. Did anyone know about it before? Because I did not. I was about to ask the, Hard the no. same question. Okay. Hard I'm no. Sorry. Hard no. I was like, don't you mean Chez Panisse in Berkeley? Yeah, like, I'm very confused by that the too. French it seemed like I, they were are, saying there are restaurants I've heard here. of. Not that one. Um, yeah. Sorry, did, Michaels. We did wonder. I, I, Megan wondered if it, if it was the a restaurant that they had gone to in L.A. story. But I don't remember. Oh, never, where the earthquake happens? It. There was a restaurant where they, I think, where they were eating brunch that looked a lot like that one. But yeah. I just, right, no, and then and then there's like an earthquake in the middle of the meal. Yes, and, and everyone's like, cool. With nobody it. notices. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, but anyway, no, I've not, I've not heard of it. But it does. The food seems good, although Michael, I don't know if I want uh, to hang out with him. It didn't seem like, like any of the chefs. It didn't seem like any of the chefs at that table was really happy to be having another meal with Michael Santa Monica. <laughs> they seem to like each weird. other. Yeah, they like each yeah. other for sure. But that was, that was a little weird. Um, I what I did like seeing so a restaurant that's been that notable and has been around for forty years. Watching yeah. like seeing the dishes evolve and having them talk about the dishes evolving is really Wild. interesting. That was, yeah. I, I was assuming that I would not be able to tell that a dish was like retro or whatever, because I'm not that like type of sophisticate. Yeah. But like, they brought out that first dish, that pasta, and I was like, oh, that does look retro. And it then does. I got really yeah. excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they dish, picked that was, really good dishes. And that was the one that Seymour modernized. And I like the modern version. I was like, oh, I, that does look like that looks like how I want it to look now. Like, I see yeah. the difference. Yeah. yeah. And Waxman was. Over the moon about it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I Did mean, anyone else go down the rabbit hole about Brooke when they talked about her? Because we found out she was nineteen when she created that dish. <gasps> that oh, is that amazing. Yeah, I knew was she was 19? a little baby. Yeah, she looked like a little baby in the nineteen ninety nine shot of her. Yeah. yeah, and I think they did say on the episode where they talked to her, they mentioned that she was like the youngest chef to win some award here. So she's famously a very like um, a prodigy here but i didn't realize she was not old enough to drink in the restaurant that's bananas i bet she drunk in a restaurant though <laughs> well wow <laughs> hey chris can you do me a favor and never do that character again yeah <laughs> chris, do me a favor and only do that for the rest of the show <laughs> or if you're just gonna choose one to do that character can you never do it about teenage girls oh no i just meant that like <laughs> <laughs> wow what I, I don't think that's how that, like, Chris meant clearly it. they were yeah uh, okay. What, anyway. like no one passed her a glass of Chardonnay during family meal. You really I'm don't sure, think that or, happened? Or, or Chardonnay out of one of those big plastic Tupperwares that they all drink out of? Yeah, sure, that's possible. But playfully, just like this. Yeah, no, it's, it's just the <laughs> no, same. It wasn't like it's fine. behind the dumpster. Like, <laughs> um, can I can I, I give add, add some history? Your improv team. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed creeps. I don't know. That's um, a good improv skill. Yeah, it's anyway, an important life skill for sure. Uh, can I, if I can toss in a little bit of facts. Uh, Please of the world. tell me more about this uh, this Not, wiki hole you went down. Uh, no, this is, this is an, an unrelated one right now. Oh. So the Chez Panisse uh, started in 1971. Michael's is uh, 1979. So like California yeah. cuisine is probably like, up and running like for a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, was that a was that a woohoo up first in the yeah. comment yeah. thread of California I, cuisine? I was annoyed. I love Chef. Kenobi, but I was annoyed when he said, or was it not him? Maybe it was Michael who said it that they started California cuisine there by right. taking whatever they found that was local and <laughs> like California know. cuisine from Northern California. Yeah, I was like, um, <laughs> yeah. Alice Waters, much thanks. Yeah, yeah. I it mean, was a weird brag. 
I mean, I, yeah, I totally agree. And it is, it, it, but also it was just weird to hear anyone take credit for eating food that's close. Like, <laughs> I feel like you didn't come up with that idea either. He's well, like, in fine dining, it was so ruled by French cooking and French technique that maybe it didn't seem like that. I mean, and I they definitely what, could have been the first to do it in L.A. Well, you know? and I think yeah. to consider it fancy and high quality to eat something nearby, like there, for a yes. long time, I think luxury was like, this was flown in from very far exactly. away. I think that's exactly um, right. And so the idea of like, wait, you found this mushroom over there is like, mm-hmm. you know. And Not. you made it this fancy French way that we're used to. So you you elevated it in the way we were expecting, but then you made... So you yeah, you, you're tricking rich people into liking local food in the 70s. Yeah, the marketing on these vegetables was exquisite. Yes. Yeah. And wine. That was... Which they kind of danced around. It seemed like he maybe was talking about it more and they might have edited it down since that wasn't really as pertinent mm. to this menu. But the whole like California cuisine also pushing forward California wine as like... Yes. Good, because that was such a, a novel concept. I, I do think that's that important. Michael Santa Monica may have put Terlato on the map. Oh, oh yes. no. This goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know they didn't mention Terlato. That's why we didn't hear the rest of that conversation. Yeah. They mentioned a, mentioned a non-sponsoring vineyard. Gosh, I loved hearing Brooke's story about Valentine's Day when everybody yeah, ordered the lamb at a different temperature, and she was just like, "That was the worst." Was the only, <laughs> it was it, incredible. Yeah. Which I've cried in more kitchens than you then. Um, but the only time you ever did was when everyone wanted lamb on Valentine's Day. It's so specific and funny. Oh man, man, it does um, sound like total darkness. It does. <laughs> that sounds hard for sure. Um, and it was, it was. I, I, I mean, I like a modernization challenge. I, it's also fun to have like an updated challenge where the chefs who created the originals are there, but also, yes. but they're not. It's not like competitive. Brooke was like, "I'm so sorry, you got this dish. You did a good job with it." Like that was really fun. Yeah. yeah, that's nice when there's enough distance between like what you've made uh, and like where you're at now that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with this totally. being updated. This, this is this is this deserves it because I've grown a lot as a creator since then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Uh, and also interesting to see where they like reinterpret positively, like with Seymour doing this brilliant job with the pasta and where it doesn't entirely work, like with Gregory, um, with, even if he had gotten the prosciutto on there, it seems like the crispy yeah. prosciutto on top wouldn't have done the same work as wrapped in prosciutto to keep the fish juicy. Yeah, there's extra function that that wrapping did. That yeah, yeah, that was a really interesting little technique bit that we got out Who's of Who's mad at a Papa Yod now? I yeah, was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, what if, yeah, what if it had been, yeah, uh, yeah, on, on pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in pursuit, exactly. Um, it is, it was sad to watch, I mean, it always sucks to have somebody, like, make a component and leave it off, but it's especially sad when it's, like, because the the kitchen is incredibly tiny, and to, like, as, as if to emphasize how small the kitchen was, we got all of these incredible, like, really close-up shots of the food that I assume was because the camera person was being pushed <laughs> Out of could the not way. move backwards. Yeah, there's no room to move back. So there's like, and there were also a lot of like mounted on the ceiling cams that we don't do a lot of in Top Chef, which I assume is also right. because that kitchen is so small. So yeah. having a kitchen that small running seven different courses out of is just very impressive and difficult. Yeah. And so I just and had like to watch two camera right. crews also at the same time, right? So yeah, yeah, that was a tough challenge. I also love the fact that, like, that kitchen was so small, and then, like, when they're going through, they say, like, this used to be the uh, cashier's counter. So, like... Right. (laughs) They didn't even used to use all of it for food. Well, it's like, imagine how much space they added to that massive dining room, but made no space for the kitchen. 
Oh yeah, it, yeah. The dining room was huge. That's so yeah, true. Yeah, that was like a Chicago-sized dining room. Yeah, this deep, the whole a, deep, a deep seating kind of thing. <laughs> nice. Right. Um, uh, also, just uh, some so so a quick one more quick shout out for the top, and then we'll talk about the bottoms some more. But uh, Melissa still cooking. <laughs> you guys, holy cow! She's she's so yeah. good at cooking. You and guys. She took Jonathan Waxman's dish and just like. Just knocked it out of the park. No, that was Seymour, dude. No, no, Seymour. no sorry. Yeah. She, she took uh, the quail dish. She, took the, she did the quail thing. Sorry. And she, she showed a ton of restraint by not over-chefing it. And just just did a little bit of a hot plum glaze. Especially and, uh, compared and, to the over-chefing it that Malarkey did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime you get to say ninja radish, I think it's a good, uh, <laughs> good day. They're the hardest radishes to catch. That's right. Um, well, while we're yeah. still in the top, I want to bring up something I noticed. Uh, has like 40 to 50% of Kevin's dishes been like s- balls of food in some form? Because <laughs> he's really good at balls. It does seem like his favorite shape of food. Because he keeps doing like, what, it was like, was it a terrine or? Yeah. Yeah. It was like oh, a with fried terrine or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was I a think... croquette. Sorry. A raw yeah. croquette. But like, and I mean, it, it, yeah, he just does. He balls stuff up. He made a meatball, a croquette. He did like the ball and the uh, challenge at Birdie G's when he was teamed up with Melissa. Like, yeah, yeah. ball it and like, fry it. He likes to switch you know? his meat into and like a good. shape, and it seems good. to work. Ball so hard, they're gonna send me to Tuscany. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's especially like just coming off of how how tired he was at the end of last episode. We didn't see any of that weight on him today. He seemed to be fine, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, making, well, that was weird. So squishes. at the end of Last Chance Kitchen, um, where Kevin gets back on the show, yeah. it's like they like stop the Last Chance Kitchen, and then the lights go up, and Padma walks in, and she's like, "Okay, chefs, your next challenge." But then at the beginning of this episode, you just see them walk in, and there's yep. and they're sitting in the airplane. Yeah, chairs. they went home. They cleaned the kitchen for ten hours. They brought in airplane chairs, and then they were like, "And now it's the second later." Yeah, it seems like there was a lot of downtime for that immediate changeover. I just thought it was interesting that they did that and then... I noticed this too. It's a yes. weird continuity error. It, well, yeah. Normally, they don't make that kind of... Uh, well, it's be- it was from web show to regular show, so it's, I'm not sure it's the same kind of... I mean, I feel like an error is overstating it a little bit. They just made it seem like it was going to be harder on him than it was. I feel fine with that. Like, it was a little dramatic, but... In the end, yeah. they actually like respected his time. I think that's fine. So, do you think in real life when they did that right after Last Chance Kitchen, they were like, "Your next challenge is go home and rest, and we'll yeah. see you tomorrow." Exactly. Yeah. Go to bed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, your challenge is you are still sleeping on a twin bed. Um, those bunk beds look really small. I don't know. Um, you don't do a queen bunk bed, right? I mean, it's got to be twin, right? No, I'm sure you're. It's an extra long twin, obviously. <laughs> right. <Yeah>, twin XL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But man, um, all right. So let's get to the bottom. So we mentioned Greg a little bit, left off the prosciutto, and otherwise his dish was just a little bit one note. Um, and then he was didn't have that sparkle. Didn't sparkle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Too much squish. Um, and he was in the bottom up against Malarkey, um, who took the veal and sweetbreads with truffle and turned it into a few dish, a couple dishes of sweetbreads, and then a, and and loin and a lot of other things. Um, the, well, uh, somebody <sighs> said he took a four-ingredient four, four ingredient dish and turned it into a 45-ingredient dish. 
Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, Before that, the most important thing we were talking about is how the end of last episode was like mm. coming up. Brian Malarkey quits, and then the preview yeah. during this show was like, "Is Brian Malarkey about to quit?" Um, how do you guys feel about that tease? It well, sounded like he almost did. I mean, it was a big moment. It, it's not like they misrepresented the moment. It just resolved differently than you might have anticipated. With, at least according to this edit, Gregory stepping up and really respectfully asking him to stay there and be judged the way everyone <laughs> well, else in the competition is. I thought that was great. fire you. Don't quit. Yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait until you get fired. Please I, don't no, leave on I your really own accord because it would make me feel less good than if I watch you get fired. Well, maybe they hated that monkfish. I mean, like, it, it, maybe Gregory really thought, like, listen, you're oh. taking yourself out of this yeah. because I, I bunked this monk. Yeah. I, <laughs> the old I didn't monk read bunk. That, I mean, I didn't read that at all. Like, Gregory was saying, I want to have the delight of watching you get kicked off <laughs> no, the maybe show. No, 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 no. I, maybe I don't he think did, anybody though. could take what he said like that. You know, uh, but but yeah. maybe we should. I, only, I, do, I do wonder <laughs> if he's, that, a, like, he's an ultra runner. He wants that pain. He lives for the pain. <laughs> yeah, never trust long distance runners. I, no, I said never, it here. Never. I think it might. I do wonder if there's part of you, if you're competitive in the back of your mind, you're like, I want to win or lose and feel it. I don't want it to be like a choice, but I I don't think he did it maliciously for sure. I get no, I think only... it's a respect thing, right? Like it totally. is it is to- like especially the the way they had it edited again this, with the caveat to the editing. The way that Brian Malarkey was like winding up to have this whole like self-righteous moment was really like, "No, dude, this is not about like your personal exhaustion right now. This is about like the food that you put out and it's... you need to stand here and and take yeah. the criticism and own up to right. what you made. Yeah. And Gregory yeah. did seem like very zen if he went home today. He would have been totally yeah. under... He was like, I get it. I did a bad thing. I messed up. I deserve this. He seemed so fine about it. The reason I mentioned that preview, though, is just because if Malarkey had quit, it would be the worst spoiler they could have possibly done. It would have like really taken all the excitement out of Judge's table if he actually quits. So instead, they do this big shot of him quitting, which we know must mean he doesn't actually quit. Like it was yeah. dramatic. I feel like it, the problem was it was a dramatic moment, and so I still felt like they gave too much away in it. That was my issue. With yeah, it. I'd say at least in the at least in the preview, you know. Yeah, yeah it was but too generous a trailer. That's what, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt about it. That's exactly but, what I was getting at. You know, Malarkey came in. He got the he got the doom edit of talking to his uh, mm-hmm. one of his girls on on her birthday. Oh, birthday. His twins on their birthday. I only saw one of them on the screen. No, it was, they they said explicitly as his twins, his twin children. I know he said that. But okay, but how do we know just because they're twin twins? Yourself, they... <laughs> I feel like you would know. Yeah, that's right. My sister and I are never in the same room at the same time, and everybody's <laughs> and fine with it. And we famously do not share a birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, it, it just seemed like maybe he had a favorite twin. That's all. I think it's fine. Um, well, maybe one was just more camera ready. Like yes. he knows one has good sides and he knows would, how to see. And if mark. anyone would know that, um, I will yeah. say the way he the was list. holding the camera was very like. <laughs> it just felt very like I'm. I've been playing with my selfie angles for like seven years, and mm-hmm. I've figured out this is the only way. Like this is my best side. Like it was just kind of like it was just very high up yeah. to be like talking to someone on the phone. Yeah, but it does look way better than seeing up your nose. It's like a reasonable. I know, but is, are we all holding the phone like like fully over our heads to talk I'm to not, people? But I is know that, that how I you're should. all zooming out there? That's how I should. I feel like I should. Um, That's how okay, I'm so recording but, this podcast right now. Yeah, we <laughs> just got a boom to be mic. Safe. 
Just on, yeah, even for audio, you gotta have the mic way above your head. Okay. Have that arms of steel. So let's talk more about um, Malarkey's uh, journey into his dark soul. Um, so yeah. The biggest was, sign of doom, even more than Broccolini, is the dreaded duo. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. dreaded duo. And and what was that? In conception, he's like, okay, this dish has uh, veal sweetbreads and truffle, you know, earthy umami ingredients. But given what I know about California cuisine, which seems like I don't know exactly what he knows or, or doesn't, but he's like, I need to take as many local ingredients and just chuck them in there as possible. And the they don't actually fit with truffle or sweetbread, so let me just put them separately, but on the same plate with an entirely different sauce. I, also, I feel like, like they, they the, were shopping in like October and November based on how things have gone. So like there would be yeah. save like earthy ingredients. I don't really, I'm not a big sweetbread head, uh, so I don't know what necessarily to put with it. But it feels like there had to have been better things than a, a ton of fruit. I'm not a big sweetbread head either, but I will. I just feel like it's got to be the worst named food, right? That's got to be the most inaccurately for a savory meat dish. Sweetbread is very misleading. For accuracy, it's the worst name, but for branding, it's the best name. It's yeah, such a good, yeah. it's like yeah. really a Greenland Iceland situation. Yeah, I was gonna say it's come to come to Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pure lie. Um, I I the thing about the duo, it's like okay, so. When somebody says, I'm going to do this thing that doesn't usually work, I'm going to do a braise or something, I'm going to use, a, or I'm going to do risotto, it's because there are challenges in of executing this properly in this situation, but it's possible. With the duo, it's like a philosophical error. It's like a misunderstanding of what the judges seem to like. And in general, I think people prefer, I don't know, like I haven't had a lot of restaurant duos, but even the Is person who had like a duo reimagined it as not a duo like he imagined it as a ball so like Mm -hmm. the the coherence of it is just it just seems like a problem that like even if they're both delicious tom's gonna be mad so it's just such an own goal to me like it's not like i know this is a risk it's like there's no upside to this no one and and i think also i mean like it it sidesteps some of the the structural i guess uh restraints i guess that that kind of make you have to resolve something it's sort of like if you totally. couldn't get like a, a screenplay working and it's like well i can't get a full one so i'm just gonna have two first acts it's gonna be a, yeah um, a series of vignettes that don't resolve yeah 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 and it's exactly the problem he's had this is his biggest issue on the whole season is over and previous seasons is over over ingredienting dishes and so it yeah. felt like him just like Maybe because he was already tired and he was already mad about the squished meatball incident on the airplane chairs, but he just felt like he fell into his oldest habit, and it did not do him any favors. I, something that Sarah and I were noticing on, on our side, though, I think, was that there probably was a more successful way to pull off this duo if, like, once you're down the duo like like route, which I is think I you're think right, there's. Tell me what you picture. Well, I think there's a plating issue generally. Yes, yeah. saucing issue. Like if you if two sauces don't go well together, don't have them like on the plate, mix like right next to each other. Where even if you totally. told them don't mix them, they're gonna mix. Yeah, yeah. it's so funny because Pat or I'm not Pat. Gail was like, um, once it's out of your hands, you can't control how they eat it, which is sort of true. But if you gave them one of those to go boxes with two different cups for the so- different yep, sauces, yep, yep. they wouldn't. Which be was able to also mix you know something pioneered at Michael's. So, you know, just serving people styrofoam with different wells for all the different non-competing duos. The inventor of the sauce well, Michael. 
Yeah, I mean, but like there are like plates we've seen on Top Chef that are like duo plates where the sauces don't mingle. And yeah, the or fact just that you just put these plates, on man. one bowed plate, you're like, they're going to touch. And if they're gross together, because that's what he said. He was like, I'm sure they're horrifying together. It's like that even seems like a clear misunderstanding of duos. Then why do you put them awful. next to each yeah, other? Well, and why prepare them as one dish? Like, what is yeah. the vibe that you're like, well, these things do not go together, so definitely eat them one after the other. Like, yeah. what is that? And if you had just done one of, if you just done half of them, if you just served one of the two duos and then served the other side of the table, the other half, could have been very successful. Would have had enough Well, plates. there would have been another other table I would have gotten instead, so that was the other... <laughs> Yeah, all the drama with going to the wrong table. It's like, hey, can these people who've known each other for 20 years share a plate to have one bite of this food each? Yeah, sure. And they, they can't I, yeah. legally, if according to the game rules, if you forget to plate, but if the servers deliver them wrong, and actually there was there's a mild conspiracy theory on Reddit that doesn't make any sense, but I the, it does involve... What? If, on Reddit? No. I know. I know. <laughs> if you look at a close-up of what's happening um, during the during the service... Brooke has one of each of the plates and she hands Malarkey's plate back to the server. So it seems like there was some confusion over whether they'd been served the dish before. Um, or maybe that's just like a, like every, uh, this side of the table has enough of these and that side of the table has zero. Like, why don't you just take that over? Yeah. Know, there, to the it, other side. It definitely was not his fault. And so he was, I felt yeah. like him getting so mad. Like they were very clear, like, this is not your fault. We can share. It won't affect you at all. I think I think he more. almost wanted that to be the problem so that it, he could blame it on something that wasn't his fault and maybe skate by, you know, that like I, this was a bad experience for you all. It was definitely because half of you didn't get the dish and no other reason, you know? Yeah, that's so funny, too. If the problem was mixing the duos and they only had half as many plates, just like each side of the table gets one half of the duo. Everyone likes your food. Well, but I also wonder, I mean, so he, like, it's really important to him to be able to sell his dishes and, like, to be, like, in that. It's not um, important to them, but it is important to him. And he just got really flustered when yeah, that happened. He totally. got really flustered. He wasn't able to, like, do his pitch. And I think that really threw him off. Yeah, I 100% agree. I didn't. I, I just wanted to jump in because I feel like it's weird when he, every time he says that, like, I need to sell this dish to the judges, I don't think... You're tricking Gail. Like, there's no words you're gonna <laughs> say. You're not tricking anybody. Where anybody least, of all, least of all Gail. Gail is on to you. Even Nilu over at the kids' table is on to you. <laughs> I also called it the kids' table. Oh, it was so funny seeing Nilu at the kids' table. Although the kids' table was like the editor in chief of Food and Wine, but um, yeah, it was like none of the people in this restaurant are gonna be fooled because you tell them the dish is better than it tastes. Like that, you don't need to sell this here. You don't sell a food on delivery. You sell the food in the like pitch meeting where you're trying to get investors. You sell the maybe. food inside the mouth. We all know that. That's the first rule of culinary school. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird that he has so deeply ingrained this idea that his food depends on the salesmanship at the table that I just don't... like. Where did he get that positive I, reinforcement? Yeah, I feel like there's a... This happens, I think, where some people get to success, a certain level of success, but they think deeply misunderstand what's made them successful. Yes. Oh, that yes. happens so many times. Success I'm, hides flaws. I'm not sure. I think, honestly, this might expose what makes Malarkey successful. Like, I think he's a good chef, but based on the stuff he's cooked, I, I he might be even like a demi-great chef. But I, I wonder if it's a situation <laughs> where, like, he cooks really well. 
but he's a lot better at selling his ideas and style and vibe than creating like really like signature dishes. I mean, like totally. I I feel looking looking at what he's made this season, it's good. It's very it's a lot of talent, but there isn't the sort of like this dish is great. This is like a product of like an absolute master. It's someone who's really good and. Honestly, the the one point they called him a sort of master is when he's selling his concept yeah. via Shrek and millennial bait. Right. Yeah. He's you no. Know, he's a, I think maybe a great restaurateur. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah. That, so this is my like the the malarkey arc, the malarkey, the arky malarkey, the malark. Anyway, yeah, the malark over the the season malark is that the uh, malark of the covenant. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your eyes closed. <laughs> Don't look at the beads. <laughs> The thing, the way I feel about this whole season, and I've been probably his harshest critic on this episode, but there are two things that really changed my mind. One was I do feel like this season we did learn what he was better at. I think this season did by keeping him around longer than it seemed like maybe he his cooking deserved. We did get to see a lot more sides of him, and seeing mm-hmm. the depth of him as a person, I, I I probably would really like him if we hung out. He seems like a good dude. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And um, also we got to see what he's actually good at throughout the course of the season, even if it wasn't like specifically a one dish catering challenge, which is what the show really is. He is like incredible. He's got clearly got a lot of other skills. And then, so I felt like this episode, I I saw more of his depth. I also saw him dealing with his own anger in a way, which we also saw in the camping challenge. And both Mm -hmm. the times him dealing with being frustrated, he handled it so much better than I would. And like, especially I mean, like, if you remember from the camping challenge where he like got really mad about it, and then they go back to the stew area, the freezing cold stew porch, and he was um, he was like making fun of himself and being chill about it, and was yeah. like, I just got mad. And then today, even like, he seemed like he had a lot of really impressive emotional control during a meltdown that I do not exhibit. So I just I felt like I got a lot more of him as a person, and I respect him a lot after that. And I apologize for not respecting him more earlier. I, I just get really I caught to be one of the more relatable well. chefs through the through the season, in part because like I I don't think I see myself as like a Melissa or a Gregory. I feel like most much closer to I think uh, yeah to Malarkey in terms of like there's some parts that like there's some tendencies that you like you like to stop in yourself but can't quite um, yeah. and that that felt more familiar I guess it, yeah I mean, it's so I, humanizing yeah um, the other thing I, I wanted to say about him is that we which we'll, I'm going to talk a little bit more right at the end but Megan and I um, took Melissa's cooking class yesterday online ooh very excited to hear how that went yeah yeah it was really cool so great and I have a lot to talk about but during the at one point when she was talking about gossip somebody asked her about malarkey and yeah, she was, it was so cute she was like so who wants you know you guys aren't asking about the top chef gossip who wants the gossip we gotta dish some gossip and then and then so someone asked her about malarkey and she was like oh he's so nice (laughs) that was (laughs) was for saying nice things about professionals it's really adorable that's the best gossip it's such good she said said that he was always the person who if you had a bad day and you're in the stew room and feeling really bad he would always have something like he'd always rank you. you to cheer you up. So. He was so he was comforting people in the stew room, which is so incredible. And we don't see that. We mostly see yeah. when people are antagonizing people in the stew room. So to have someone like, "Hey, you did great. I tasted it. it was awesome." You like, here's a hug. Let's hang out. Like that is amazing. Yeah. 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 And yeah. everything like she for sure, and she felt so bad about how people are talking about him on Twitter after, during the show. And she was like, "But the good thing about it is I know." 
he can handle it better than anybody. He is fine Aww. with all of the uh, trash talk. So, Malarkey, you got a good heart, and I like that about you, and I'm sorry that I was so mean. Also, he's just, I mean, uh, this is this is a more superficial compliment, but I still, it's from the heart. He, he's, he's, his reactions are incredible television. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if nothing else, I just, they cut to him so frequently because he's all, his face is always just like exactly like what you want as like an audience representative. And it's, uh, it's, it's a real joy to behold. He well, just, so he does I, it so my well. My theory is his faces, his reactions are not better than anybody else's. They just film him from such a high angle. Uh-huh. It always looks good. No, he doesn't even need it. That's the thing that's crazy about his vanity angle, because we know he keeps it the tightest of all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tanya, I think I thought that's what your comment was going to be. It's like you know, I know it's kind of superficial, but he really does keep it very tight. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> I can't say it every. I guess I could. I mean, really, like what? What I want to know about the skincare? Like, if Melissa had been like, and his bathroom vanity was out of control, I would have also believed that. <laughs> Melissa did talk about her skincare routine, which was um, somebody asked about her great skin oh her skin is insane well uh what did she say is this gonna be another nancy silverton where you're like i don't know she puts things on her face she has a face i know that for sure there are things you know super well that i don't understand and so some of it does kind of filter it out she but uh, the thing i remember is um uh cetaphil and a mild Mm -hmm. moisturizer it was like the most Mm -hmm. And the, the only thing that she said was kind of it was like a um, a little bit of um, cider vinegar mixed with water. That was the oh, only interesting. thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, me. yeah. Like it's remedy. like those people when you're like, "What's your secret?" They're like, "Diet and exercise." And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, it's having your genes, really?" Oh, I think that is sort of what she meant. But yeah, all right. So we have so much to <laughs> we have to get get wrapping. So before we talk any more about Melissa, actually, no, let's just finish. Sorry, let's finish this and then go because we're here. We're already in it. Let's just do it. Let's turn into the skid. Um, Megan, did you like the cooking class? I did. Yeah, it was. Really What'd you guys make? So we made the corn and coconuts, uh, corn coconut soup that uh, she made for the vegetarian challenge. Yeah, the plant-based awesome. Santa Monica corn soup. Yeah, and it was. It turned out really well. It was I, so good. Megan made delicious corn soup. Yeah, I made a huge mess. Which, and a mess, sure. Uh, she did not instruct us to do, but that was just my own like kind of you know, twist on it. They don't. <laughs> That was her re- Megan's reinterpretation of Melissa's dish was more pans on the counter afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun and um, she's so charming and so, so impressive. Yeah, it was it was really it was really neat and she's going to be doing more. Yeah. Uh, so I think actually she posted on Instagram that next this uh, next Saturday she's going to be doing a. Uh, dumpling class. Yeah. What? Awesome. Yeah. So if you're interested, um, definitely keep an eye on her Instagram. Yeah, for... yeah, I'll throw a link if we can find it. Yes. Um, yeah. In our show notes on packermax.com. Um, the other, a couple of quick things that I remember from it. Well, so one was that so the corn soup, like the the stock that she makes from it, is just like you buy fresh corn, you cut the co- the the kernels off, and then you put the corn bones in a in a pot and cover it with water with like some like onions, garlic, and basic stuff. And that's the whole stock. And she was like, don't, even if you're a meat eater, like, don't put chicken stock in this. It'll taste like chicken stock. This is corn soup. Same thing if you're making like a tomato soup. If you really want to taste like the vegetable, you just do water in that vegetable and then just simmer it for a long time to get all of the flavor out. And it was amazing. It was the most corn soup I've ever, the the corn flavor was like really intense and great. Um, The other um, 
cooking thing she said that I thought was really interesting was that she was um, sweating the onions at the beginning and she was like very careful like do not get any color on these onions don't let them sit long don't turn it high enough that you get color on it you don't want color on the onions and I'm not used to hearing people talk about not caramelizing stuff on purpose and she was like which, by the way, if you caramelize, if you put get color on it, caramelize it, it'll taste great. It's just that if you're a Michelin star chef, like when you're working in a Michelin kitchen, the clarity of the broth, the color of the broth is so important that you have to be incredibly careful about this. So watching her like mm. take apart the process to like, this is good, but this is good and looks Michelin ready was really interesting. Ah. Um, and then the last thing was the, in the gossip portion, somebody asked, do people hook up in the Top Chef house? And she said... Oh, gross. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. So, yeah, she's like, especially on All Stars, she's like, we're all old married people. Like, everyone's old and married except for me and Gregory. Like, no, nobody. And we're so tired. Like, no. Yeah. And also, like, that only happened that one time with Thumb Man, and we never want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I love about Top Chef is that like they learned some reality show lessons early on where they were like, actually, this is not what we like to do. And one of them was like yeah. having the people hook up in the house. So now you're just, they just, all, what we found out was mostly what they do is cook vast amounts of guacamole for each other. She said she's, she's made every other day on the show for the house, which we don't see, she made a 20 avocado guacamole for people. Oh that's incredible. <laughs> so intense. And we yeah. learned Very guac California. is love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that's Meg, uh, that was uh, the cooking class with Melissa. All right. Now, um, speaking of things that Megan has experienced, we're going to jump in and taste the delicious dishes in Megan's mailbag. You can get in touch with Megan by going to packyourmics.com and using us an email, mailbag at packyourmics.com. And on Facebook and Twitter, Megan is watching it all. Please get in touch with us. Megan, what's in your bag? Uh, we have an email from Carolyn. Uh, with some thoughts about malarkey. Oh, good. The more I see of malarkey, the more amused I am by him. Like, he's in on the joke. He's clearly there to have a good time, expand his brand like they all are. All-Stars is a different type of game than regular Top Chef. They do not take themselves as seriously as other seasons, which I enjoy. Yeah. Malarkey is not offensive, nor mean, nor, uh, nor does he ooze the smugness that Richard Blaze seems to constantly bring. Uh, he always wants to give that perfect cutting soundbite to show the contestants I'm better than you. <laughs> uh, you can feel the um, the flop sweat of Malarkey seeing the empty spots on the plate and yeah. turn that just threw him off. He was not able to fully explain yeah. that. That was, a f talking about the faces he makes, that face when that happened was so heartbreaking. Yeah. He seemed yeah, really bummed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, I agree with you. Initially, I was a Malarkey hater. I came around the bend and uh, really appreciated him by the end. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I feel I, sh I feel I should say the same thing because while Alex might be hardest on him for this episode, I feel like I dragged his ass earlier in the season. <laughs> um, and I should say, like, I definitely respect him a lot more after seeing just like seeing him, like, not necessarily evolve, but like how his how his like composure had has changed over the season like yeah just makes me see a lot more of him and make the problem i have with him was that he didn't seem like a real person and if anything the last three episodes have shown he's a real one totally. yeah 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 carolyn says uh this is the first time we've seen some vulnerability from him and mm -hmm. i just wanted to give him a hug yeah i agree Aww. it's also gonna be really sad to watch him like right after this episode aired they had to like 
have him open his notebook and cross his name out on the top. Oh, buddy. <laughs> they should have looped that into like the B-roll of him packing up his knives and leaving. <laughs> yeah, he's like opening up the notebook and rearranging the order. <laughs> um, Jane writes, the Gregory Doom edit is an experience I never want to go through again. Oh, yeah. Seriously, Ooh, so that scary. was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Um, Although him being okay with it, like watching people be calm at judges' table just changes how hurt I am by it. Like... I, I think we said this before, but just when they when, during the interview when they leave where they say they're going to be okay, or just seeing them in in Last Chance Kitchen being okay is so much. It's I don't know. I just sort of it just sort of feels like Padma kills them when they get eliminated. So anytime you just see them not die, it's just really nice. So Gregory's doom at it, and then he's just standing there and he's like, "I am okay. I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm." Yeah, he's very it was, stoic. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane also writes, is it weird that I try to anticipate the winner by watching the judges' lips? I watch their yes. mouths for the distinct lip press required to make the M sound. Uh. We totally do something yeah. similar. We watch where their eyes are looking. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh. Try to read the eyes how, like a quarterback. Yeah. yeah, and also how sad Padma looks right before she says it. Like, that's yes. how I could tell it wasn't Gregory, like, for the split second before totally. she said malarkey. Totally. Her yeah, sadness was there, but not devastation, you know? Well, I felt this She has, like, sh- a very distinctive, like, way she draws out the name, too, when she says it. Like, it, like there's, like, when, I don't know, there's just a way that she's sort of, like, or, like, she'll have, like, sort of a croak on the, like, go. Like, please pack your knives and go. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a like no. an extra sadness there. Yeah. That's also fun that even in Elimination, he does not have a first name. She said, Malarkey, oh, pack your mic. Well, she said, Brian, Volt's programs to leave. Volt, who's already been told he's going to Italy, is like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the, oh, the other thing about my, oh, my prediction thing on this one was just that the way they were consoling him by saying you did a lot of good cooking this year, like that was like clearly setting him up to leave. They were like telling him that we're going to eliminate you, but we don't dislike you. I felt so this one felt oh I I read that completely differently I felt like they hadn't seen him in such like distress at judges table before and they felt like he was like I mean because he was clearly like you know on the verge of stepping out without even being eliminated and so they were sort of being like hey you've you you're here because you've done such great stuff so far please don't just like throw this away (laughs) before we have a chance to eliminate you but still you know like I just it felt more like a it felt like they were bigging him up earnestly. Have the kids gone after the pans yet? Yeah, they're Is right. that what that was? It sounds like they're doing Megan's interpretation of a dish. <laughs> uh, Maya did like she braised like a uh, a tomato, uh, a, you know, a, a wooden tomato for us earlier. Uh, oh. in, in a metal pan. In a metal pan. Oh, nice. Uh, th- there's like a, a toy, a toy set. That I she think has, a braise so would it's... would probably bring out a lot of that rich tomato flavor that Tom it, likes so much. But, it was umami, you know, yeah. uh, and it was flat, so it, it would be a you know, good in a, a airplane tray without being squished. a little too much, a little too much Velcro on it for my taste. <laughs> yeah, but she's working true. on that. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a personal style thing, but I understand. Yeah, it's also which farmers markets you go to. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they, they're more Velcroy later in the year too. I don't know if you know that. Mm. It's the early Velcros and the late Velcros. Yeah. This, well, the sweetness. You really bring out this, the Velcro. Anyway, I'm, this bit's taken too far. Uh, we have an email from Bridget. Uh-huh. Uh, Bridget writes, I should have emailed this last week, but I have a random historical fact about the Olympics. Thank you. The yes, Olympics, Bridget. 
have been canceled before uh, because of world wars, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but of interest is that Russia did miss out on some events in 1908 uh, because they were still on the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian one, and arrived two weeks late. No. <gasps> what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a serious amount of late to be. Two weeks is so late. <laughs> I yeah, just I imagined just all the swimmers. It was a funny fact that everybody should know. Everyone should know that. And I think it's very oh. appropriate that it that it came a week after the episode. That's true. So. Exactly. Yeah, Thank you, you sent us on the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> Kyle, oh, I just I'm just picturing my head. I imagine all the Olympians travel like ready to compete. So like they pull up to wherever the Olympics were, and the swimmers have like have their goggles and cap on, and they're like <laughs> slowly pick their goggles up and they're, like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the pool dry? <laughs> I mean, well, truly, they were four years minus 12 days early for the next one. But then also yeah. in the wrong place. Oh, well, there's problems. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I Like, thinking about different calendars, like, that's such, like, a uh, an interesting historical mistake. Also, it'd be very hard to make a mistake of the date now where it's, like, there would be so many websites with countdown clocks. So, that's a fascinating. Sorry, guys. Uh, Marcy writes in with uh, some news about Eric. Um, Eric is slated to open a small restaurant in DC's Union Market, which will serve the fried doubles he made in the Create a New Food Product Challenge. Cool. All right. Yeah. The website. I think I went to Union Market this Christmas. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Um, nice. That's awesome. the The website still says that the uh, Eric's restaurant will open in spring twenty. 20 um but i'm guessing it's been affected by covid yeah uh but can't wait to try his food that's awesome yeah good for him. Oh, uh, uh, definitely similar. get a double the next time i get a train to dc that is so good yeah that's rad um also uh, a s- slight similar update from melissa which is that although she's not making that kimchi vinaigrette she did say she's trying to um work on bottling a, a um uh, a chili oil product she's working on a hot sauce type thing yeah that so she's very nice. excited to what she broke the news on that cooking challenge, oh, the cooking class. That was the first time she ever said it uh, to people. So keep so your watch, eyes watch peeled website. for that. Yeah. She's going to be selling it on her website. Yeah, which is awesome. Oh, and also, right. we would totally do it because it turns out making cooking oils, a, like, or making um, chili oils a little scary. Only when I do it. <laughs> no, I could, it could have been scary to anybody. I don't, anyway, sorry, you guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the most talented, but anyway. Uh, all right, so Allie, uh, we have a request from Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a big fan for a while, and so it's sad for me to say that I won't be able to listen to your recaps for a little while. I promised my sister I would watch the season of Top Chef with her, but certain global events have made that kind of hard. So, my question is, what questions or words do you have for future Allie when she finally gets to listen again? Okay, this is fun. So So, Allie is listening to this show... We're recording this in the end of May 2020. Allie is listening to this sometime in the future. Could be September, could be 2025. Guys, what insight do we have from May of 2020 that the future needs to know about? Hankies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone needs to... I mean, I think it's... that. Yeah, that that, that kind of was right. That that the new Scooby-Doo movie is, you know... It started here first, and now it is, you know, the the Scooby-verse that we all know and love in the future. Yes, yep, yep. Bring Um, Kerchief and, uh, you know... (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know. You're, you're going to need hankies. I do agree with you, Kyle, because I like everybody who's going to Italy so much. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, we've, we've, gotten, we've gotten our wish, which is also our monkey's paw. Like, it's it's a really, it's a dark time because yeah. it's a great time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even do the hankies in the right place. I got all caught up in the other things. We'll do hankies on the way out. Um, but, yeah, hankies, hankies might be the whole 2020 thing, in fact. Hankies Wait, might be the sorry. 2020. Sorry, Kyle, you said hankies. I thought I said jinkies. I said My hankies. Bad. Well, that makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I was like, as is referencing clearly a bit we did about Scooby-Doo and hankies, and I believe No, them. I thought it was jinkies. That's, that's all I know about Scooby-Doo. Anyway, keep going. No, I just. what's great <laughs> is how we just all agreed with your riff. We were all just Thanks like, for not calling me out on it. Fine. All right, let's well, go. Fred kind of has an, a kerchief situation, that's so true. I thought that's okay, where you were going. But, Fred's, yeah. a real, Fred's a real malarkey. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is that Allie lives in a world where malarkey has 2,000 restaurants. And uh, so it's just this is a quaint time where he only has in the 60s of restaurants. So it must be kind of interesting to live in the future and try all of his restaurants. Oh, you can go to Eric's restaurant. We can't. That's fun. Right? That's the yeah, neat thing. Yeah. Ideally, a lot is possible for you in this future time that we are currently abstaining from for safety reasons. Yes. And, uh, How is the out of side? How's not uh, your apartment? I hope it's nice. I hope it's nice. I hope a lot of positive things have occurred because right now it's pretty dark. I'm really, really like I'm hesitant to make any kind of like things about it because I, I don't want it to be worse when you're listening to this alley this is the problem with every yeah this is the meme that we all see all the time yeah so I, I, let's I not like, do that yeah i'm a sitcom character where it's like well surely it can't get any worse <laughs> yeah no yeah. it can always get worse it certainly can okay well how about this alley if you could just do us a slight favor and send us a good terminator <laughs> to help us out fighting the bad terminator that would be such a huge help because Bad Terminator has knives for hands now, and it's really scary. So if you could just have a good good Terminator with a motorcycle, I would really appreciate it. Or a Terminator with spoons for hands. <laughs> I don't think that would win. Uh, it'd be competitive. <laughs> <laughs> At least a fork, you could, like, catch the knife blade. A spoon would just be so... Here's the thing. The Terminator would expect you to bring, uh, you know, a, a, a knife or a fork. A fork but they would never a expect knife? a spoon... And so never expect have, a spoon. You'd have yeah. an element of surprise. I think that it's really key. <laughs> That's the Ezra motto: is that no matter what the battle is, I will always have the element of surprise. You really want to invest in that, yeah? <laughs> That's, you probably reach in that. Um, do we have any more mailbag, Megan? Uh, we do. Uh, thanks, guys, for that. Um, I luck. think it is a good future because in this future, I was watching Top Chef with her sister. So true. So Such a good it's point. Be good. It can't get any worse. All right, so we'll end with this from J Number One. AJ. Uh, thinking of the server misdeliveries um, that uh, tripped up malarkey on, yeah. this, on this show has me thinking of other potential Top Chef pranks. <laughs> Someday, I'd like to see Padma introduce a guest judge for the quickfire that none of the chefs have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have to do the talking head where they're like, oh, such she's so incredible. You know, we've all looked up to her for so many years. Uh, yeah. I want to see a chef carrying his dish out of the kitchen and somehow find himself in an alley, <laughs> like Spinal Tap taking the wrong turn in the arena. They just move the <laughs> dining room. Or just stumble into a backroom poker game with a bunch of gruff people and then like slowly back away. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I hope my dashi can survive this. <laughs> 
I want to see Tom challenging Last Chance Kitchen to a hangover cure because he was drinking late with Nilu. Oh, that's fun. Ooh. And finally, I want to see someone find an old Tupperware container in the Top Chef fridge labeled pea puree. Yes. Oh. That would be such a good 10-season arc if the pea puree turned up now. I am the ghost of English pea puree. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Can thank I get you a, so a, much, prank, a prank ask? Yeah. I want all powders... Uh, to be replaced with like, uh, like agar agar or like like con- some kind of congealing type uh, agents, where just everything gets like kind of like jello jello like. So it's like like the sugar is like is, is gonna be like like a like an unflavored gelatin type thing. Everything is just like everything gets just gets to be squishy. Or just like it has some Ooh. gelatin in it, so it's like it's cinnamon but gelatin, and so whatever mm-hmm. you make is a jello of that thing. Yeah. You know who wouldn't mind yeah. so much, Kevin? With this, you know, no. like, well, my pork it- balls are like holding together. And then it yeah, becomes I, a sport. Like, I want to like one-up... You... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. no I just want to one-up that challenge and say, like, it's a powder-based challenge, and they have, like, dozens of, like, flour and agar-agar, and, like, I assume they all look fairly similar, but nothing's labeled. Yeah. I was just wondering, oh. would, would a nothing... La- it's sort of like the blind taste test, but you can use your eyes, but it's just like... The whole kitchen is unlabeled, and you have to do everything by taste and, and, and sight and stuff and figure out what everything is. That's kind of fun. Even if it yeah. wasn't powders. Although your idea where they're all powders, where it's like any one of these things might make your dish explode, is really fun. I, yes. I like it. I think we you – know, let's have it be the blind taste test also, though. Just so just like you just have to taste like all like the, the, you know, the different powders. Yeah, a full blind challenge where you're like feeling your way around a hot kitchen with knives. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Not a great idea. All right. Well, these are all good ideas we can pitch to the show at some time in the future. Really quick before we go, we have I forgot. So let's rank our elimination, the malarkey elimination from 1 to 16. Hanky's the theme of 2020 is Hanky Panky. What, uh, Megan, I'll start with you. How do you feel? Um, I mean, I felt, I felt like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. No really feelings know. again. Didn't feel anything at no, all? I, I no matter did, what was I happening. Did, I think I did feel because I. <laughs> I think, I, think I did. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I would have. I think I would have been pretty upset if Malarkey quit. Like, I think I don't know if it's like. I, I just would have been frustrated, and I guess to have it, I just felt like it resolved in a. Um, a way that felt uh, like the tension of the episode just kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it all resolved in a, in a good way. Yeah. So you had negative hankies? You felt great? I didn't feel great. I mean, I didn't feel great. I just felt, um, I don't know. I felt content. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Another so, zero hanky day from Megan. Um, well, I have to have one. Right. Minimum one. That's true. I'm just, I'm just, uh, so, I mean, and it's nothing against Malarkey at all. I just, um, I don't know. Like, and, I, and During I was this also, difficult time, you're conserving the hankies so we don't have to keep buying new ones. Yeah. Just one hanky per episode for 16 episodes. I was just, I was happy for everyone going to Italy and um, yeah, I don't know. That's my main feeling is that like this is the this is a perfect group to watch go to the finale now i'm so excited to watch this group go hang out and even though there's other chefs that i've loved it would be like it would be impossible for me to pick anybody from the eliminated ranks and elim- and trade them with somebody in the finale right now and feel better like every one of those would be would it best be neutral i think i'm just so ha- i'm just so stoked about these five so um 
I did, though, you know, previously I've had a four hanky minimum for any episode where Malarkey does not get eliminated. And today, five hankies just for Malarkey. I felt wow. it was kind of a happy hanky, though. It was just like, I felt, I agree, I felt satisfied. But I do feel like I learned to love, you know? And he, so we both grew as people over the course of the season. It's really good. So, um, Alex have, went through his own emotional journey. I did yeah. to the center of his dark soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back five hankies later. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, like cooking wise, he was the most bottomed chef of the season. And so it does feel right. Um, but also, the five who are moving on are the only people who have won elimination challenges this season. No one who isn't in the final five won an elimination challenge. And, wow. Which is, yeah. That is a crazy stat. Isn't that amazing? I just noticed that and looking l- at the doc right now. But yeah, that's where they all are. Wow. And I didn't, I mean, I felt like the competition was pretty close in a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah, like, very consistently for and all like the time. And like everybody there has a ton of talent, you know? And and that's that's just nuts. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Volt and Seymour each have one. Kevin and Gregory have three. And Melissa has four. That is so impressive Dude. um so ding, ding. yeah um so anyway so i'm just i'm very i'm very pleased with that outcome so if anybody has someone they'd rather switch out i, I i'd love to hear it but uh chris and tanya hanky count uh i would say yeah i would say maybe like mm, three hankies for malarkey just because i do think that we saw a lot of vulnerability from him um and I would say, like, uh, a lot of my hankies are dry, which I realize means that I'm a little a little dead inside. But uh-huh. also, uh, they're all really wrinkled because I'm super nervous about Tuscany. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I've been doing a lot of, like, hanky squeezing <laughs> yeah. in anticipation of what will be an uncomfortable series of eliminations. That's the flip side, is that there's You're no Diane. one eliminated, so it's just going to be a lot of hanky clutching for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, I've been, I've been clutching, clutching hankies, yeah. for, for sure. You're Diane Lane at the beginning of the movie, you know? Under the I Tuscan didn't see sun? that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I know it. I just didn't. Yeah. She what happens in it? This is just like the, the Scooby Doo universe as we're created. Oh. I believe you that it exists. Uh, yeah, Chris. Uh, I'll go five. Oh. Similar reasons, uh, but I definitely liked Malarkey a lot more. Uh, maybe because of this episode, similar to what Kyle was saying, um, and the sides that we got to see of him. Um, yeah, Kyle and Sarah, yeah. sim- similars, samesies. I'd say I'm in. I I think I'm in the I think ten hankies. Whoa! Wow! What? Because well, all this like as I've said, like as the season's gone on, I've empathized and seen more humanity in Brian, and like the way things went down, uh, this challenge and how he like sort of handled it well, but also was definitely not handling it well. Uh, it it made me feel like I was getting eliminated from top chef like it, it's like how i would handle adversity if i had that level of talent it's kind of a Aww. weird thing that but you are um according to the official rules you were eliminated as well so yeah you are no longer eligible to compete in the finals in tuscany yeah, i get it i get it i'm not i'm not heading to voltaggio italy <laughs> oh yeah that was fun we learned this voltaggio italy from their car speaker mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah that's, that's I mean, brian talking to his best friend car speaker <laughs> <laughs> My buddy found he, out there's a Voltaggio in Italy because he's plugged directly into the interface. We know, um, man, that was fun. Uh, yeah, I, that's such a great journey, Sarah. How do you feel, new Sarah? 
Ah, oh, four hankies. You know, he had a good run. Yeah. You didn't learn to love, like. I was always mostly neutral on him, except when he tried to tell me that Shrek was my film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it I, you us. know, I I wish him well. He seems like a lovely man. Yeah, he does seem fun. Agreed. All right, Ez and Sarah, to wrap things up today, hanky count. So surprisingly, I think I'm f- fewer hankies than most of you, which mm. is crazy because I think I was the most. Can't be fewer than Megan. Original. Oh, well, that's true. Not fewer than Megan. I feel like I was the original standout malarkey supporter, so at least relative to you guys. But anyways, I give three. I don't remember either way, but I believe you. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. But yeah, three, three for me. Um, I am sad to see him go, and I'm I'm a supporter and a fan, but I'm just I'm relieved that everyone else is still there, especially Gregory. So it wasn't quite as sad for me. Yes. I yeah I I feel like I'm like whatever Megan's like n- like imaginary number is like uh multiplied by like 1.2 I guess like like it's it's I what? I don't have yeah cuz <laughs> He's a little sadder than Megan. I'm sadder than Megan, but I also don't have like a number. Like You're it's also not like much I, mathier. Yeah, you're an impossible. Would you say it's pi? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, yeah. it's 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 one point two times i. Is it mm-hmm. is it i e or i or something? Yeah, you're no, e, e like Yeah, uh, Ezra, well, I feel like the issue is that we're measuring like on levels of like sadness uh-huh. with the hankies, and I just I my emotions are more complicated. Okay, so it's hard for me look, to define. You got the the ranking of hankies is a long established tradition that goes all the way back to the first episode of this season. And the fact that you and the originator of the system can't come to numbers, it just seems like you are not honoring the tradition of the show. This is a simple challenge where you uh, say a real whole number. We're in a different universe and numbers were yeah, different. Yeah, here's okay. the thing. Yeah, Alex, if you can think back to the 70s, back when the Hanky system was creative, I've updated it now. All right. I now have a duo of imaginary numbers and a coefficient instead of an actual. But I think you get the same flavor. <laughs> It's a little deconstructed. We call it California math. Yeah. I put the green goddess dressing to the side now. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Ten right. years ago, it would have been a smear. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a powder. It's a foam. Um, all right. Well, so now we are all off to Tuscany for the remainder of the show with five incredible chefs. Um, I was saying I didn't have anyone I would replace with. Megan, you did mention to me that the only person you're a tiny bit sad is that it would be fun to see Joe Sesto getting to go to Italy. You'd like to see Joe oh, Pasta creating nice. pasta there, which is very nice of you. Yeah, it just that be, would be fun. He would he would enjoy. It wasn't even for you. It was like he would like that, which I think is very sweet. Um, but yeah, what do you guys? Anything else you're expecting? Last chance for uh, bold predictions, or even just like you just want to talk about Padma's red fur coat? Is there anything coming? Oh, up? that oh was God. good. <laughs> yeah, I do want to talk about that. You're right. Let's clear some time next week. <laughs> um, I probably will also have a lot of thoughts about the truffle dogs. Oh, such oh, good dogs. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. the best man. dogs. You're so good, you're almost a pig. That's amazing. Also, it's just cold there. It does That's seem something cold. that I I don't know why I was expecting them to sudden suddenly be experiencing some sort of summertime in Italy, but they're they're definitely going at a cold, cold time. It looks intense. Yeah. Megan, can I say I... Your, can I say your joke about the red fur coat? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you guys off the air. Everyone else, you're gonna have to wonder. It was really good. Uh. I think my prediction for Italy is Tom is going to let, like, uh, I, Tom's 
Tom's version of an Italian accent is going to slip out in conversation. Oh, oh that is bold. And it does not wow. sound awesome. I'm not going to like that. My bold prediction was just bye bye Volt. But really? Yeah. Whoa. It is also bold. Very bold. Um, I don't know. I mean, can I say something bold? I like, I don't know if I've said this on this pod before. I've said it in conversation. I think uh, Volt has had a sneaky bad season. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's been a stumbly time. Interesting. Like, again, still a great chef, but like he has not been a very good top, as, as good a top chef competitor as uh, Kevin Gregory and Melissa. Yeah, certainly not as good as them. He's got four tops and three bottoms, um, like compared to Melissa's six tops. And also, Melissa has four wins to his one. So, yeah, he's definitely not done as well as Gregory and Melissa. But I sort of feel like he hasn't made a ton of obvious mistakes either. It feels like he's maybe he's just like peak is like 0.2 E below them. Yeah, it's just he's he hasn't been like he hasn't been competing at like an elite level. He's been cooking very well, but like not top chefing. Yeah. Well. In Italy, you have to cook with your heart, you know, it's very so. important. Oh man. It's um, the only place it's allowed. Wasn't it, was it, um, yeah, I think it's Seymour in the preview who's uh, making pasta for them right away. And that's, she was like really embarrassed about that. That seems intense. I th- it sounds like that's going to be the elimination challenge. Yeah. Like, all right. Go to Italy, all... make pasta. Oh, that is that is rough. That's going to be a tough tough time. Well, the time would have passed though. Also, oh, that's actually. I'm really curious when this actually existed. Uh, when when because usually there's like a, a little break, right? Right. Uh, I so, just assume I mean, they were like at the end of last year, maybe. Yeah. Is that mm. is that too? I, just, I think you're right. Simple I think it was of me. Still wrapped up in 2019. That's my theory. Yeah. But yeah. So they would have had some time to like get better at, at some of the things. They would have known that it was going to be Italy. I think for a little bit. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, we have so much to look forward to. All of that and more coming up next week. In the meantime, send us your feedback, packyourmics.com and Facebook and Twitter, of course. You can also vote for Megan for fan favorite and um, tell us your favorite nut or which nut is a cat. All this and more on our social media channels. We're doing a really big push into social media right now. You can tell. Um, all of that mm. is going to be uh, available to you. We appreciate everybody for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, you guys, for hanging out with me. Thanks for being here, Megan. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here, Chris and Tanya. Of course. Yes. Uh, Sarah and Ezra. Good hanging out with thanks. you guys. I don't like truffles. Oh, um, we have so much to talk about next week. You think they taste like feet? I remember. <laughs> it's, oh, I boy. think there's a truffle that tastes like chocolate and is great. <laughs> there's another thing where I'm looking forward to, which is where somebody put like a million dollars worth of truffles on a dish and gets told, I don't think they know what it costs. That looks like fun. Um, <laughs> and thanks I do for, like wastefulness. Thanks for being here, Sarah and Kyle. It's a duo. <laughs> oh, man. Don't mix your sauces. It's gross. Um, and good luck getting some coffee and finally having a sense of humor today. I think that'll be awesome. Oh, thank you. So it's much, an uphill battle. So much to look forward to. Um, oh, and this is kind of a weird one, but it has, has to do with the malarkey um, elimination. But uh, Kyle, pack your mics and go. Wow. I know. I was ready to walk out. I know. You, you would have quit anyway, but we're going to go to Tuscany without you. Sorry, buddy. All right, bye, y'all. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye.